Okie chickadees, let's continue with the story of the growth of the church after Saul was converted. At that time, the apostles and disciples were only preaching the gospel to fellow Jews. Well, there was an Italian military leader named Cornelius who had great faith in God, and so did everyone else who lived with him. He gave a lot of his money away to the people who needed it, and he prayed to God always. One day as he was fasting, he saw a vision, and in this vision, one of God's angels came to him and said, Cornelius! And when Cornelius saw him, he was afraid, but he said, What is it, Lord? And the angel said, Your prayers and gifts to the poor are seen in heaven, and God remembers them. Send some of your men to the town called Joppa, and ask for Peter, who is staying at a man named Simon's house beside the sea. Peter will tell you what to do next. After the angel left, Cornelius called for two of his servants and a soldier, and told them all that had happened, and then he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they traveled closer to Joppa, Peter was up on top of Simon's house praying. While he was there, he became very hungry, and while he was waiting for his food to be made, he fell into a trance, or a dreamlike state, and had a vision that went like this. As he looked up into heaven, a type of vessel came down to him. It looked like a big sheet sewed together at its corners. When it came down, Peter saw that it was full of all different types of animals. There were beasts and insects and birds, and as Peter was looking at them, he heard the Lord's voice say, Rise, Peter, kill, and then eat. Now, this was probably very surprising to Peter, because according to the law of Moses, Jews were only allowed to eat certain types of meat, and other types of meat were considered common and unclean, such as pigs and rabbits and camels and ravens and owls and vultures and swans and bats and any insect other than grasshoppers and beetles. Well, these animals and birds and insects were in the sheet, so to have the Lord ask Peter to eat them was a bit of a shock since it went against all that Peter had been taught. So Peter answered, Oh no, Lord, I've never eaten a common or unclean animal before. And then he heard the Lord say, What God has made clean, you should not call common. This same vision happened three times before the big white sheet was taken back up into heaven. As Peter was left thinking on the roof, he wasn't quite sure what it all meant. As he was sitting there pondering, the men that Cornelius had sent to fetch him stood outside of Simon's gate and asked for him. Then the spirit said to Peter, Three men are looking for you right now, so get up, go down to them, and go with them. But do not doubt what is happening, for I have sent them to you. So Peter obeyed and asked the men, Hello, I am Peter. Why are you men here? And they said, 
Cornelius the Centurion is a just man who trusts God and is known to be a good man among all the Jews. He was visited by an angel and was told to send for you and to listen to your words. So Peter invited them to stay the night, and the next day they began their journey journey to Caesarea. When they got there, they found Cornelius and all of his family gathered, waiting to hear what Peter had to say. When Peter walked through the door, Cornelius fell down at his feet and began to worship him. But Peter said, Oh, please stand up. I'm just a man. They walked farther into the house, and perhaps it was at that moment that Peter understood the vision God had given him. Peter said, You guys know that it is technically against the law for me, a Jew, to be in your house, since you are not a Jew, and we believe you to be unclean, right? Well, God has shown me in a vision that I should not call anyone common or unclean, since we are all his children. Now, can you tell me why you asked me to come here? And then Cornelius told Peter about his vision and said that they were all gathered there to listen to Peter's words. Peter then said, Oh, I believe that in God's eyes, no one is better than another person, but he especially accepts those who respect him and choose to be righteous, no matter whether they be a Jew or not. Now, I will teach you about Jesus. You already know much of this story, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth, and his ministry began after he was baptized by John the Baptist. He was given the Holy Ghost and the power to heal, and we Jews are witnesses of all the things he did among us and in Jerusalem. And then, you know, he was crucified. But then he was resurrected on the third day after his death and showed himself to those of us who had faith in him. We actually ate and drank with him. He commanded us to preach unto all the people there and to testify to everyone that he is our judge and that all the prophets have said the same thing, that through Christ's name, whoever believes in him will have their sins taken away. While Peter was speaking to all who were there in Cornelius' household, the Holy Ghost fell on everyone listening. And the Jews there who had covenanted with God through circumcision were astonished because the Gentiles, or people who were not Jews, were given the gift of the Holy Ghost. In fact, Cornelius and his household began speaking in tongues and magnifying God, just like Christ's disciples did on the day of Pentecost. The Jews there asked Peter, How could anyone deny the fact that these people should be baptized, since they've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like we have? And Peter commanded the Gentiles there to be baptized in the Lord's name. And they were, and it was such a joyous time. Well, when news of what was happening in Caesarea got back to the apostles and disciples in Judea, some of them became kind of upset because they didn't believe that the gospel should be preached to anyone outside of their Jewish group. So when Peter returned to Jerusalem, they came up to him and said, Hey, you went into a Gentile house and ate with the people there. That is not right. You are unclean. But Peter began from the very beginning and told them his entire story, including his vision and Cornelius' vision and how they were given the Holy Ghost and chose to be baptized. When the Jews heard this story, they believed Peter and weren't upset anymore. But they glorified God and said, Yay! God has also given the Gentiles the chance to repent and gain eternal life.
Now, there were different missionaries who had traveled far and wide, and their main task was to preach the gospel to the Jews. But there were some who began to teach the Greeks in a city called Antioch, and many of them believed what they had heard, and they turned toward the Lord. When news of this got back to Jerusalem, the apostles decided to send a man named Barnabas to be a missionary all the way out in Antioch. It was the same Barnabas who helped convince the apostles and disciples that Saul was really a changed man. He was full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and he was a very powerful missionary, and many people believed in Christ because of his words. After he worked in Antioch for a bit, Barnabas traveled to Tarsus to find Saul in order to bring him back to Antioch. They were missionaries there for an entire year and taught many, many people. It was at this point in history that people started calling anyone who believed in Christ a Christian. Since there were so many believers in Antioch, many prophets from Jerusalem traveled there to teach. And there was one man named Agabus who prophesied according to the words of the Holy Ghost that there was going to be a great destruction among all the people, which would happen soon. During the reign of the Roman Emperor Claudius Caesar, So the disciples in Antioch all decided that they wanted to send relief to the saints in Judea to serve them during this time of turmoil. So they gathered together their money and gave it to Saul and Barnabas to deliver to the leaders of Christ's church in Jerusalem. Did you know that as members of Christ's restored church today, we can do kind of the same thing by paying our tithing and fast offerings and also donating to the church's humanitarian fund? It is so true. The leaders of our church today pray about who needs our money and help the most, and then they do what they can to relieve the saints all around the world. I think it's pretty amazing. Well, at about that same time that the gospel was spreading in Antioch and to other Gentile nations, Herod the king, remember, he was the one who Jesus called a fox, He decided to cause trouble in Christ's church, and so he had the Apostle James killed with a sword. It was this same James, who was John's brother, who was often with Christ during his most miraculous moments here on earth. Of course, the wicked Jews were so happy that Herod had killed James, and Herod liked to have the Jews happy with him, so he decided to kill Peter as well. He had soldiers capture Peter and throw him in a prison cell that was guarded by four squads of soldiers. They planned to present him before the Jews after they had celebrated Easter or the Passover. While Peter was in prison, the saints all around did not stop praying for him. Now, the night right before Herod was going to send for Peter to kill him, Peter was sound asleep in between two guards, and he was bound up in two chains. And there were also guards right outside his prison as well. He was very heavily guarded. That same night, one of the Lord's angels came to him and shone very brightly. He tapped Peter on the side and stood him up and said, Get up quickly! And the chains miraculously fell from off his wrists. And the angel said, Get dressed and get your sandals on. After Peter had dressed, the angel said, Put your cloak around yourself and follow me. And Peter escaped by following the angel, but he thought he was just having a dream. 
After they had walked through the city to one of the big iron city gates, it miraculously opened before them, and they walked right through, and then the angel disappeared. Peter was surprised, and then perhaps he woke up some more and realized that it wasn't a dream. It was real life. And he said, Ah, now I know for sure that the Lord sent an angel to save me from being killed by Herod and the other wicked Jews. He walked on to the house of Mary, who was John's mother, and there were many saints gathered there praying for Peter. Peter knocked at the gate, and a lady named Rhoda came out to see who it was. When she realized it was Peter, she was so happy that she forgot to open the gate for Peter, and she ran back into the house to tell everyone there that Peter was here. But they said, You're crazy. It can't be Peter. It must be his spirit. We are sure that Herod has killed him. But they could still hear Peter knocking at the gate. So after they went and let him in, they were all astonished. He quieted them all down and told them how the Lord had delivered him from prison. And he said, Go tell these things to the other apostles. And then Peter left to hide from Herod. You can surely imagine how upset Herod was that he could not find Peter the next day. He was so upset, in fact, that he had the prison guards killed. He then traveled to Caesarea, and the people there wanted to get on his good side because they received a lot of goods and money from Judea. And so they chose a special day to give honor to Herod by clothing him in expensive royal clothes. And they sat him on a throne and asked him to give them a speech. He did give a speech, and the people there shouted, Oh, you have the voice of a god, not of a man. And at that point, the Lord sent an angel to kill Herod, because he continued to desire glory for himself and not for God. That was the end of the wicked king Herod. In the meantime, the number of people who believed in Christ's gospel continued to grow and grow and grow, and Barnabas and Saul were guided by the Spirit to serve a mission together away from Antioch, along with a disciple named John Mark, who, interestingly enough, is thought to be the author of the book of Mark in the New Testament. So those three missionaries were set apart and traveled to many different Gentile cities, teaching and preaching of Christ in the Jewish synagogues. When they traveled to an island called Paphos, they found a sorcerer or a false prophet who was Jewish, and his name was Bar-Jesus or Elimus. He liked to spend time with the deputy of the country, whose name was Sergius Paulus. Well, one day, Sergius Paulus called for the missionaries to come teach him the word of God. But the wicked sorcerer did not like this. He tried to turn the deputy away from faith in Christ. But Saul, whose name had now been changed to Paul at this point, was full of the Holy Ghost and focused on the sorcerer. He said, Oh, you are full of mischief, you child of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not stop trying to ruin the Lord's right ways? Because of your wicked choices, the Lord will now make you blind so that you can't see for a while. And immediately the sorcerer's eyesight became like a mist of darkness, and he went stumbling around, trying to find someone to lead him by the hand. When the deputy Sergius Paulus saw what had happened, he believed in Christ and his doctrine. After the missionaries left Paphos, 
John Mark returned to Jerusalem, and Barnabas and Paul traveled to Antioch, which was a different Antioch than the one they were in before. One Sabbath day, they were in the synagogue there, and Paul stood up to preach. He said, Everyone who believes in the Lord, listen to me. He then began to recount the history of the Jewish people, how they had been enslaved in Egypt and then freed by Moses and the Lord, and how all the prophets had prophesied of Jesus Christ's life on earth, and that after he was born, he went about doing good. But the wicked Jewish leaders had crucified him because they didn't understand from the scriptures that they read so often that Christ was truly the Son of God. Paul quoted scripture to them and preached that the scriptures were fulfilled when Jesus was resurrected. And he also pointed out that God keeps his promises that he makes to his children on earth. Paul then said, Through Jesus, we can be forgiven of our sins. Through Jesus, anyone who believes on him can be saved from all things, which can't happen if you live the law of Moses but don't love the Lord. So you better beware the consequences of how you try to worship him. After the meeting in the synagogue ended, some Gentiles came to Paul and asked him to teach these same things in their synagogue the next Sabbath day. That day came and almost the entire city met together to listen to Paul teach. When the Jews saw the huge group of people gathered together to listen, they became so jealous. So they started to speak against everything Paul was saying. They argued and they lied and they spoke blasphemy about him and the Lord. Oh boy. Paul and Barnabas grew bold and they said to the Jews, Look, it was necessary that we taught you these things about Jesus first, but you chose to ignore our teachings, thus judging yourselves unworthy of eternal life. So we decided to teach these things to the Gentiles, since the Lord commanded us to, saying, I have set you up to be like a light for the Gentiles, that you should teach whoever will listen to listen of salvation through me. Well, when the Gentiles heard this, they were so glad and glorified the Lord's words. And whoever believed in Paul's testimony was ordained to eternal life. The word of the Lord spread throughout all the land round about them, but the wicked Jews mischievously planned, with some devout and honorable men and women, to be mean and bully Paul and Barnabas, and they kicked them out of their town. So the missionaries traveled to a place named Iconium, and the disciples all around the land were filled with joy and the Holy Ghost because of the truths that they had heard and believed. In Iconium, Paul and Barnabas taught in a Jewish synagogue, and a large group of Jews and Greeks believed their words. But the Jews who didn't believe them stirred up the Gentiles to anger again against the missionaries. Paul and Barnabas stayed for a while, preaching and teaching, and the whole city was divided between those who believed them and the miracles they were performing, and those who, along with the Jews, did not believe them. The day came that those who did not believe them rose up in anger and tried to stone them, so they ran away to a place, place called Lyconia, and they taught the gospel there. While in a city named Lystra, a man whose feet hadn't worked from the day he was born sat listening to Paul speaking. When Paul noticed the man, he perceived that he had faith to be healed. So Paul said loudly, stand up. And the man miraculously did. 
He leapt and walked all about, and when the people saw what had happened, they lifted their voices together and said, The gods have come to visit us in the form of men. You see, the people there worshipped many different gods, not just our one god. So they decided to call Barnabas Jupiter, after the god named Jupiter that they worshipped, and they called Paul Mercurius, after the god named Mercurius that they worshipped. The people were so excited about what the missionaries were teaching them that a priest of the god Jupiter led some oxen and decorative garlands to the front gates of their city. He was about to perform some sacrifices for the people on behalf of their false gods. So when Barnabas and Paul heard about this, they tore their clothes in grief and ran out of the gates, crying to the people, Whoa, why are you going to do this? We are not gods. We are just men, just like you guys. We're trying to teach you to turn away from worshiping these false gods and to worship the living God who created this earth. We witness that he is the one who blesses us with all good things, not your false gods. Well, the people decided not to perform their sacrifices, which was a good thing. But then something terrible happened. Some of the Jews who didn't believe in Christ traveled from Antioch and Iconium to where the missionaries were just to convince the people there to stone Paul. They were so wicked and so hard-hearted, and they gathered a large enough group of people to actually follow through with their plans, unfortunately. After they had stoned Paul, they dragged his body out of the city because they thought he was dead. And then they left. Some of Christ's disciples gathered around him. And lo and behold, he rose up. He wasn't dead. He went back into the city to heal and to rest. And then he left the next day with Barnabas to a place called Derb. And once they had taught many in that city, what do you think they did? They turned around and traveled back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, even though that's where they were so hated. But they knew that there were people there who loved them and who loved the Lord, and so they taught those people some more and strengthened their faith and said, we must go through many hard things in order to enter God's kingdom. When they called and ordained elders in each of those places and had prayed and fasted, They turned over the church leadership to the men of those cities, and then they left. They traveled back to the first place called Antioch, where they had left originally, and reported their missionary experiences and successes to the church members there. They bore testimony of how God had blessed them and had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. It was such an exciting time, and the two missionaries stayed there for a while. Well, after some time, there were some men who traveled to Antioch from Judea, and they began to teach the people there that unless they were circumcised, they could not be saved. Circumcision was very strictly a Jewish tradition under the law of Moses. So Paul and Barnabas very much disagreed that only those who were circumcised could be saved. Remember, they had just gotten back from their missions to all the Gentiles who had not been circumcised, but those Gentiles had still been baptized and did believe in Jesus. 
Some of the people in Antioch thought it would be wise for Paul and Barnabas to travel to Jerusalem to ask the apostles and elders about the matter of circumcision. So they traveled that way. On their way through every town they passed, they told the glad news of the gospel being brought to the disciples. And the people there who heard the great news had great joy. They finally made it to Jerusalem. And all of the apostles and elders gathered together for a meeting to discuss what had happened. Paul and Barnabas told them all they had done with God's help and of their missionary efforts and successes with the Gentiles. But there was a certain group of Pharisees who rose up and said, Oh, but they must be circumcised. We must command the Gentiles to keep the law of Moses this way. The apostles and elders thought about it and discussed it for a while. And after there had been much disputing, Peter stood up and said, Everyone listen. You know that a while ago, God told us that the Gentiles should be able to be taught the gospel and that they could choose to believe it or not. God knew their hearts and gave them the Holy Ghost, just like he gave us the Holy Ghost, even though the Gentiles were not circumcised just like us. To God, circumcision didn't make a difference. Their hearts were purified by faith and baptism, not by circumcision. So why should we make them be circumcised if it is through Christ's grace that we are all saved? Peter's words quieted the men there, and Barnabas and Paul began to speak about the miracles and wonders God had performed through them among the Gentiles who were not circumcised. After a while, a man named James said, Everyone listen to me. Prophets of old have prophesied about the gospel being taken to the Gentiles, so I think that we should not give the Gentiles any grief or trouble about not being circumcised when they join the church. But maybe we could write them letters to warn them against things like worshiping false idols, as the Gentiles like to do, and also from touching each other inappropriately and from eating things with blood. After all, the law of Moses is preached throughout the synagogues in all the lands each Sabbath day. The apostles and elders agreed with James, and so they wrote many letters with these instructions to the Gentiles, and then sent men out with Paul and Barnabas to deliver the letters. The letters said something like this, We have heard that certain Jews have troubled you with their words, and maybe they have caused you to question your place in Christ's church by saying that you must be circumcised in order to keep the law of Moses. But please know that we did not command them to tell you this. So we have sent some men to tell you these things, and just know that it seems good to the Holy Ghost and to us not to ask you to be circumcised. It is unnecessary. But what is necessary is to stay away from worshiping idols and from eating the blood of animals and from touching other people inappropriately. If you do these things and are baptized and have faith in the Lord, all will be well with you. When the missionaries got back to Antioch, they gathered the Gentile believers together and read them these words. And the Gentiles rejoiced and the missionaries stayed there to preach and teach some more. After a while, Paul said, Hey, Barnabas, it would probably be a good idea to travel back to all the places we taught the gospel to the Gentiles to see how the saints are doing there. 
Well, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them on their travels, but Paul did not. And so, unfortunately, they got into a very sharp argument about it, and Paul left and traveled to Pamphylia and refused to travel with the other two. So Barnabas took John Mark, and they sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose a man named Silas to be his companion, and they traveled through Syria and Cilicia, supporting and teaching the church members there. Well, little chickens, that's the end of my story for today. Next time, we will talk about what happened while Paul was traveling around to strengthen all the converts. Until next time, have a wonderful day. Goodbye.